I'm Bob Cudbore, and this is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Joining us is Craig Apple, the sheriff of Albany County. Let me start with the aftermath of the school shootings. As we record this in the in the middle of the week, the uh, students around the country are about to stage their right. uh, walkout or other programs to bring attention to the uh, school shootings. What do you think of what they're doing? I think it's incredible. I give them a lot of credit. I support them wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, very shortly, I'll be heading over to Colony myself, um, and 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 we're going to participate together. Um, I think it's great to see the young individuals in this country get involved and speak up to some of the issues. I mean, let's face it, they are our future. One issue that uh, directly involves law enforcement is having police in the schools. And I think we've covered this ground before, but mm-hmm. there are sheriff's deputies in schools in Albany um, County? Or well, no? it all depends. Some schools have what, what is called a school resource officer known as a SRO. Um, some, many do not. Um, mm-hmm. There is a big cost that's attributed with it. And um, it's, um, you know, it's something that the schools need to weigh their options. You know, do they have the funds to pay for that? I mean, many times you're talking at least a salary of a police officer with benefits for eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. You were at a forum where I believe a local college professor questioned having police in schools, right. saying it leads to more arrests, maybe specifically more arrests of minorities. What, what do you think of that argument? Total nonsense comment. It does not, um, certainly does not lead to more arrests. If for anything else, the officer's there to prevent the arrests. He's there as a deterrent. He's there as a big brother. He's there as a mentor. He's there as a guardian. The whole purpose of the SRO is to get the deputy or the police officer, um, let the police, let the kids know that the officer's there for them. Maybe he's having a problem at home that the officer can help with. Maybe he's having a mental health issue, which many young individuals in this country are. And uh, they go undetected. Maybe he can help that. Maybe he can push them towards guidance counselor for classes, whatever the case may be. Um, Arrests locally, I can certainly say that is not a true statement. You have also been uh, quoted in the media saying, uh, talking about, I hate to say it, like the practical approach uh, to this issue. I mean, uh, people in schools and everywhere have to be prepared for Uh, a, a possible shooter. Uh, how do you prepare? Well, what I've done is prepared a bit of what I'm calling like a, almost similar to a menu. And we're presenting it to three of the schools that are primary jurisdiction. And we're offering everything from the school resource officer, magnetometers, active shooter drill for staff, active shooter drill for kids, for the students, modified active shooter drill for them. We're offering more lockdowns, I'm offering a piece of communication equipment that is almost like a panic alarm for every classroom. And in fact, I want to do school buses. I think that's where a lot of the issues start initially, and I want to make sure that our school bus drivers are prepared as well. And what would you do with school buses? They would have a direct communication to our dispatch center. Oh. You know, many times, Bob, we always tell people, if you see something, say something, but we don't ever give them the means to say something. Okay. So we're offering this um, communication link that will be going right to our our communication center. And the last thing that we're going to do is we're going to change our department app, which we should be rolling out actually this week. It'll have two buttons on it now. See something, text something. See something, say something. You text it, it'll go right to our dispatcher. You call it, it'll go right to our dispatcher. Hmm. Also, you've been quoted as saying that if you're faced with the situation of a, of a shooter, your options are run, hide, or fight. That's the basic, um, that's the basic training that we're pushing out there. Uh, you know, obviously, we want you to run. If you can get away, get the heck out of there. Be safe. If, if you can't get away, you're going to need to hide. 
So find a place in, in your classroom, find a place in the mall, find a place in this building that you can hide and be safe and close a door and barricade that door. Shut off your cell phone. Make sure you're not making any noises. And then lastly, if you have to, be prepared to fight. Look around. Everybody in their offices, everybody in the dentist office, doctor's office, schools, classrooms, whatever, should know what could I use in here if I had to defend myself. Is it a chair? Is it a stapler? Is it a three-hole punch? What is it? What can I use as a weapon if I have to fight? Also, um, the other big issue we've talked with you about frequently is the uh, opioid crisis. Uh, what's the latest on your efforts to help control this uh, addiction crisis in the jail and in the community? Well, um, actually, just this week, we've had some great uh, media attention on our jail uh, project, our SHARP project, we call it, the Sheriff's mm -hmm. Heroin Addiction Recovery Program. It's getting some uh, statewide and national attention because it's the first of its kind, and the success rate is just unbelievable. Yesterday's rate was 14.6% recidivism, which is down close to 30%. Um, on top of that, as far as fighting the epidemic in the street, you know, we're not winning it. Um, there's drugs coming in every day. Last week, we had some incredible arrests. We were taking heroin off the street, crack off the street, and we grabbed a bunch of pure fentanyl, which is the stuff that is killing everybody. So, um, you know, our goal is to continue to prevent and educate and make people aware and make, and make sure we can get treatment. And we're going to still obviously, you know, do the law enforcement arm as well. There's a new over-the-counter opioid product, I read about it, called Kratom or Kratom? Kratom, yes. Yeah, what, what, what is that as opposed to any? It's, um, it's a, basically an unregulated um, product that is, um, you know, people are overdosing. I mean, when, when I came out against it, because I, I do want to see it scheduled, I think it should be monitored by the government. Uh, many people, you know, sent me all kinds of nasty grams because they use it for pain or whatever. And I'm like, listen, I'm not saying it should be banned. I think it should be monitored and it should be scheduled by the DEA. What about uh, the opioid crisis and crime? Is it causing a, an uptick in crime? Absolutely, Bob. The opioid crisis drives probably at least 50 to 60 percent of everything that's going on in our community. Um, drugs are attributed to so much it's not even funny. Whether it's somebody that's out there, you know, trolling into uh, trolling in malls looking for smash and grabs of GPSs, whatever the case may be, to feed their habit, or if it's somebody out there selling small quantities to feed their habit, uh, my jail is loaded with folks that are in there either directly or indirectly because of opioids. We've talked about you know two serious uh, issues: the school shootings, the opioid crisis, and I'm about to bring up another issue, which is. Um, I would say maybe not as serious, but it, it, when it gets attention in the media, it just uh, has an, uh, a tremendous effect mm -hmm. on, on people. And, um, and again, I'm not saying animals aren't important. What I'm talking about, uh, to stop being vague, is the uh, way the Queemans police, they weren't the Albany County Sheriff's Office, but mm -hmm. the way the Queemans uh, police disposed of a rabid raccoon by apparently running him over and the point was uh, it was captured on video, as so many things right. are, and uh, it's gone all I, – I saw you quoted on a, a TV station in Boston about this. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's become quite a story. Yeah, it, it definitely went viral. I was kind of watching it throughout the night myself, and I could see that it had over a million views. It had, you know, like I think as of yesterday, it was like 80,000 shares or some crazy number. Um, look, it – I. I, obviously, everybody knows that I am a huge animal advocate. Um, 
we fight for animals all the time because there's so much animal abuse and cruelty out there. And that coupled with the fact that many people will abuse animals are indicators and triggers for what's going to be coming on in future life. And that could work all the way up to murder. Mm -hmm. So when I see something like this, I just shake my head. This is just a horrible, horrible um, training. This is a definite need for training. There are other ways to do this. Uh, I wasn't there. I hate to armchair quarterback, but I certainly think that there was better ways. And I'm certainly um, sure that they regret what they did. Um, I think that this was just a horrible incident. And um, I'm sure Queemans wants to put it past him. I don't know how fast that will get over. But I, I definitely think that um, the Humane Society, myself, um, we're going to grab Libby, Libby Post and um, we're going to put on some training classes for everybody to attend. Recently, we just um, held one. There's a lot of different avenues you can pursue. There's equipment you can have and there's people you can call. Um, but to run it over with a car, I think, is just appalling. Mm. You uh, were quoted as saying something to the effect that, that the perception drives reality. I mean, right. that's all that we see of that incident is the the police car going after the raccoon. Right. Yeah. And let's face it, um, nobody, I think, perceived that very well. And it's just, um, I think, again, I, I think it's just a training issue. Um, and we're going to make sure that um, something like this doesn't happen again, at least in this county. You had one uh, kind of aftermath of this or unintended consequence. Apparently, when people around the country who tried to call the Queemans Police Department to complain or to say that they thought this was bad, that what they'd seen on TV, those calls often get forwarded to the 911 service? Uh, yes. A couple of years back, we merged um, dispatch services with the town of Queemans, the city of Waterville, city of Cohoes, and Green Island. Um, so needless to say, any numbers that you call for those police departments go to our 911 center. So we received calls from Australia, New Mexico, um, Virginia, you name it. They were coming in three, four, five, six a minute. Um, none of them just to say hello. Very hostile people. And uh, obviously that's a fear for me because you tie up all of our 911 lines coming in. Um, God forbid we miss a, uh, some, a tragic 911 call that needs to come in. Mm. And you brought up the uh, further consolidation of 911 services mm -hmm in Albany County. Um, and I noticed that list you uh, gave, the city of Albany's not in, in this, or are, are they? No, there's still a couple out there that answer for themselves. Uh, we, are, we are in the infancy stages of talking with the city of Albany about a consolidation with our dispatch. You know what, Bob? Um, there's such a cost savings involved in it because, you, you know, you're talking about everybody's got a duplication as far as answering 911 and, tr and pushing calls to each other's 911. All the fiber lines, all the technology, all the maintenance equipment, all of the, um, the maintenance agreements. I mean, it's, there's such a savings there. And, um, you know, we're in the process of building a new 911 center. Um, as soon as that center's done, we will further talk with um, towns and cities about uh, consolidating efforts. Is that at the, the county nursing home? Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's our that's our goal anyway. Um, you know, we've had some construction blips that have occurred, uh, but our goal is to take two floors of the county nursing home. I think it's a tremendous idea by the county executive to repurpose that building. And uh, we're going to end up uh, almost tripling, maybe quadrupling our size. Um, and save the county roughly $20, $25 million from having to buy a new one. Mm. Yeah, uh, you said it's going to be a big cost saving. Will it, it result in the loss of jobs? You know? Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. I will not I will not 
partake in anything that is going to have a job loss, especially in today's day and time. But what I will say is down the road, we may attrit positions and consolidate it, do it more efficient and more proficient. Um, We may not need as many dispatchers, but certainly anybody who has a job now will have a job then. But um, how are you going to saving the money? I mean, what, that's well, your because you're talking there. about you're talking about building fees. Well, if we attrit positions, each position each position with benefits is probably sixty five to eighty five thousand dollars alone. All right, so if we're able to do you know two or three positions, you're talking close to a quarter of a million dollars. But don't forget, we're not paying for all that fiber. We're not paying for all those computers, all those positions, all those radios, all of those buildings. So there's a lot of money out there. And not even talking about the consumables that the you know that the dispatchers use every day. So there's a lot of money out there that can be saved by consolidating. Is getting the city of Albany on board the the big deal? Absolutely not. No. Um, Mayor Sheehan has been tremendous. Um, we've had a number of talks about it. Uh, the county executive has been awesome with it. I mean, they know it's the right thing to do. Um, some people are nervous, but I can tell you there will be no job loss, and I think the working conditions will improve um, exponentially. There also was a, a, a story that I saw in the news. I don't know if I mentioned this to you. Uh, the I've headlined here the big burn and burn. Yes. The, the Albany County Sheriff's uh, Office says a, a controlled burns are typical in our area, but a call over the weekend was not normal. What happened in burn? Well, we got a call at our dispatch center for a controlled burn. Uh, controlled burn happens. They happen in the hill towns regularly. People will be burning brush, you know, clearing out um, fields, whatever the case may be. It happens all the time. So we'll make note of it. So if somebody calls us and says, hey, there's a large smoke plume over at, uh, you know, wherever, um, you know, I think there's a fire. We obviously will know that, you know, there's a control burn. We may send the car to check it out. So um, on this one, we did receive a call from the ho- homeowner indicating that uh, there, he was going to have a control burn. Didn't say it was his darn house. He burned so his house. He burned his house intentionally okay. because wow. he was he wanted to um, build a new one, and he knew the cost of demolition was much more. So he figured he'd burn it. Well, what we didn't know at the time is that he had spoken to the prior town supervisor of burn, Kevin Crozier, who told him emphatically, "You cannot do that." He also talked to the fire chief, who told him emphatically, "You cannot do it. It's illegal." But apparently, maybe he thought with the new year and the new town supervisor that um, you know now we can do it. So he did it. He did it. And um, obviously it started to get a little out of hand. Um, Fire departments, everybody responded. They put it out. DEC responded as well. And I'm sure that he will face some stiff penalties. I know he was arrested that day, but uh, I'm sure that he will also face some stiff civil fines. Because uh, the firefighters were were put at risk? Absolutely. But well, first of all, it's unlawful to do It's unlawful to do that. Secondly, you know, we're looking at a reckless endangerment charge because he was told not to do it. And all these firefighters are responding with, you know, their red lights, blue lights, whatever the case may be, fire equipment out on the roadway. Every time you run those red lights, you risk the chance of hurting somebody or hurting yourself because you're taking you're driving in a manner that you wouldn't normally drive in. And um, and that's really disturbing that this guy would do that. I wish he was just forthcoming. He could have been given the information how to do it and, and and then just demolish the building, you know, and, and haul it away. But now he's got to do that anyway and, you know, fight his uh, penalties in court. We're talking with Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple on this edition of Talk of the Town on Magic 590. Um, there was an incident at the uh, central, well, I would say the central post office or, or the, yes. uh, the post office uh, 
oh, I forget the, the exact phrase you used. But anyway, it was a case that we hear about fairly frequently in the news. There was white powder and, and some members of the staff uh, mm-hmm. had to be treated. What, what did you find out about that? Well, um, I don't have all of the details because some, you know, the, it's a postal authority case. The United States Postal Inspectors, um, they have their own police department and they are handling it. Mm-hmm. But our county hazmat team did respond. Our fire coordinator, Jerry Paris, was there as the incident commander. Um, we have a montage of different agencies, different fire departments and police departments throughout the county that partake in this hazmat unit. And they were there. They were able to um, clean up the scene, decon it, and get everything out and send out some samples for testing. What I can tell you is that the first person was in the room, um, did kind of um, become a little nauseated and break out in hives. Um, he left work and went on off to his own um, walk-in clinic. The other two went in to clean up um, some sort of powdery substance, and they became nauseated as well. So there are things out there that are legal to ship through the mail. Um, it, you know, I guess at this point I'm just speculating yeah. and, and assuming, but it could be something that you know may cause nausea or something to that effect, but it's still legal to ship. Mm-hmm. And you, the, the point is you don't know the testing still is in, yes. incomplete. You don't know what the right. powder we, was. We actually, Bob, in Albany County also have a mass spectrometer that we can send samples out quickly. But this one didn't come back as anything dangerous, so the uh, postal inspectors are taking it to a, you know, they're going to do a little further in-depth view of it. You, um, n- another topic, uh, tablets for inmates. You pioneered in letting inmates have tablets, uh, computer connections. Now the state corrections department's doing the same thing. N- not like the animal case that we talked about earlier, but this also developed some legs. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Story because you know, pe- a lot of people <clears throat> don't want inmates to have stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, things- listen, this is, um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. I started um, handing tablets out to inmates back in, I think, 16, late 15 or 16. Look at when you, first of all, the purpose of jail is to get in there, pay your debt to society and release a better person. So hopefully they don't come back. When they don't come back to jail, everybody wins. Mm -hmm. It's $66,000 a year roughly to incarcerate an individual. So we gave them the tablets. What do you do with the tablets? The tablet saves Albany County money, first of all, because now we're not having paper all over the place. The tablets need to go to medical. They put it on the tablet. They send a request. Tablet, if they um, want to order you know, commissary, they do it through the tablets. Whatever. If they have a grievance, they do it through the tablets. Everything is done through the tablets now. It makes our jail more efficient. It makes the jail more proficient. And the other thing is, is when the inmates are busy, we have a safer facility. We have a calmer facility. I don't want our officers going in there and getting hurt. So when, when they're busy and their minds are doing something else other than thinking about how to make a shank, how to hurt an officer, how to escape, how to create contraband, how to get contraband in the facility, now they're busy. Mm. So when the state did this, I'm like, all right, well, we already did that. It's, a good, it's, it's good to do it. And quite honestly, Albany County makes about $1,500 in commission fees off of it. So I stand by it. I think it's an awesome program. Um, I plan on expanding it. Are they searching the internet and social media? Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's more for educational purposes. I can only speak for Albany County. I don't know what the state inmates have, but I can tell you in in Albany County, it's an awesome program. You've been listening to Talk of the Town with our guest, Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. This program will be available as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. The guest next week on Talk of the Town will be Schenectady Mayor Gary McCarthy, I'm Bob Cudmore.